Greetings, Lupontic folks, and welcome to another minisode where I can ramble about a particular topic related to our favorite thief. Some time ago, back when part 6 was announced, I told you about the green jacket, its importance to the franchise's history as well as the many meanings associated with the color. With the announcement of a crossover movie with Cat's Eye and the return of the pink jacket, I thought it was the perfect time to focus on the most controversial color in Lupin lore. Welcome to my study in pink. It all began during the production of Lupin's third TV series in 1984. Animator-in-chief Aoki Yuzo, who previously worked on part 2, was specifically instructed not to give Lupin a red jacket. He suggested a white jacket, but the production refused. Aoki resorted to pink, as it was a good compromise between white and red. The reasons behind these production meddlings is that part 3 was broadcast on YTV, not NTV, where the Red Jacket series aired. The two channels were rivals, and so part 3 had to be careful with copyright issues. This explains why Yuji Ono could not use the themes he created for part 2. Maybe this explains some of part 3's mixed reception. While a lot of the backlash against the Pink Jacket series stems from ignorance and subjective tastes, the series did have its weaknesses, with a strange tonal shift in the middle, from semi-serious to cartoonishly silly. To some extent, Part 3 suffered the same hardships as the Green Jacket series, with the added weight of coming after the popular Red Jacket series. Part 3 would get cancelled after 50 episodes, the last image being a simple still shot. The spin-off film Legend of the Gold of Babylon, directed by the mad genius Seijun Suzuki in 1985, would get the same reception. Today, the Pink Jacket era has received some reappraisal, especially regarding its animation. Aoki Yuzo allowed a lot of freedom regarding character design, our main cast physically changing to fit the animation style. Part 3 might be uneven and unstable, but always inventive and generous. Because of these copyright issues along with the mixed reception, Lupin would not wear the pink jacket for decades. When an episode of Part 5 in 2018 featured not only the pink jacket, but a silly tone akin to some episodes of Part 3, the viewers were surprised and even excited. Part 5 served as a celebration of Lupin's entire history, and it was a pleasure to see, even briefly, that Part 3 was not ignored anymore. This year of 2022, we got the unexpected announcement of a CG animated film featuring the first meeting between Lupin III and Cat's Eye.
Cat's Eye, created by Oshio Takeuchi of City Hunter fame, follows the adventures of three cat burgling sisters. The anime aired between 1983 and 1985, more or less at the same time as part 3. Therefore, it makes sense, while the rest of his outfit remains conservative, that Lupin wears a pink jacket again. The pink jacket has now become associated with the 80s, a decade full of excess of all kinds enabled by compulsive consumerism. We were rich, loud and colourful, and we were partying like there was no tomorrow. But while Hollywood is milking 80s nostalgia to exhaustion, looking at you Stranger Things, we forget how many of our current problems generated in this decade, from pollution to conservative moralism. Pink becomes ambivalent, loaded with all the trappings of a misled era. Pink is objectively a strange colour. Absent from the rainbow, the human brain created pink by removing all green light from white light. In pure optical terms, pink does not exist. And yet, we see it quite often, even in nature. Flowers, insects, birds, reptiles and even mammals. Baby pigs, for example, look pinkish. Aren't they cute? No one had a precise name for that perplexing colour until the 1400s when it was called Incarna. In Europe, from the 15th to the 17th century, pink was seen not as a shade of red, but of yellow. If that surprises you, remember that before Newton discovered the chromatic spectrum, we did not have the same way of identifying colours. When it came to clothing, the pink pigment would be obtained with a type of wood, called Brasilium. Its exploitation would get such proportions that it gave its name to its native country, Brazil. Yes, you heard me right, Brazil. You owe your name from a pink tree. In our modern society, pink is mostly associated with the feminine and the childish. Bubblegum, dresses, Barbie dolls, unicorns, etc. Even pink makeup is used to give an appearance of youth and innocence. When worn by men, pink is often associated with the gay community in opposition to gender standards. But the feminine nature of pink is actually a very recent thing. Madame de Pompadour popularized the color among French aristocrats, both men and women. It was even called l'habit français. Male infants were draped in pink cloth a subtle derivative of the warlike red, while girls were draped in blue, a peaceful colour. Only after World War II and the stigmatisation of the pink triangle would this colour code be switched. So yeah, you can thank Hitler for making pink strictly feminine in the West. Nazis. They ruin everything. Only among Latin cultures can we still see pink shirts and suits for men, with no connection to their sexual preference, especially in Italy and Spain. The last 10 years have seen a rise in popularity for the colour pink from all genders and gained an unexpectedly rebellious quality in street art, clothing or aggressive makeup. Today, pink is punk. Not to be confused with Picky Punky by Monkey Punch. But what about Japan? Things here are a bit muddled. While the Japanese do associate pink through the blushing cheeks of girls with feminine aspects, it is not as clear cut. 
Japanese mentality has long since integrated the idea that femininity, just like masculinity, is everywhere and inside every human being and other living things. Pink is therefore ubiquitous. It is the color of youth, life, happiness and spring. The famous cherry tree has become a symbol of a certain type of romanticism but also of justice, as the official logo of the Japanese police represents a sakura leaf. Quite the irony for our gentleman thief. While pink might not be the best or the most obvious choice when it comes to representing Lupin III, its vibrant yet gentle quality could show us signs of Lupin we might sometimes overlook. His youthfulness, for example. Lupin is ageless, but his attitude and physical abilities are ones of a young man, and his general demeanor shows a talent for happiness. And as every year comes a new spring, Lupin comes back with renewed energy. And like Pink, Lupin does not shy away from his feminine side from time to time. Plus, Lupin is a rebellious figure, and thus Pink can be seen as a powerful statement of Lupin's independence from conventions. But that might be a stretch and even I know when I'm going too far with interpretations. Even with the cat's eye crossover, we might not witness a new golden age for the pink jacket, but its return and the positive re-evaluation of part 3 are a good sign that things may change. And I, for one, am happy about it. That is all for me, dear listeners. I hope you had fun going on this colourful journey with me. If you are interested in learning more about colours, go read the books of historian Michel Pastoureau. His work has been a tremendous source of inspiration for me. I also want to thank our friend Aficionados Chris for helping me with Part 3 Trivia and all my co-hosts at Cyburns and Cigarettes for their support. If you like my work, you can follow me on Twitter at William Barbe, B-A-B-E-Y, on DeviantArt as Shinreddeer, S-H-I-N-R-E-D-D-E-A-R, and you can support me on my coffee also under Shinreddeer. Until we meet again, stay safe, Lupantic folks, and remember, you all look pretty in pink. <laughs> Yeah.